Welcome to the Four Thoughts of Our Founders, the podcast for the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. We are practitioners, scholars, administrators, and researchers seeking to find like-minded individuals committed to creating rich cultural capital for the sole benefit of this space. Most importantly, we at Health described ourselves as zealots of this sacred space. In that space, none other than the historically black college and universities landscape. Got a really special guest today. I'm not gonna belabor the point. I'd like to introduce to some and welcome to others, the president of Clinton College in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Welcome, President Extraordinaire. How are you today, sir? President Felton, it is an honor and a privilege. I'm doing great. Uh, President Lester McCorn here uh, joining joining us today, uh, this wonderful um, afternoon where I hope he is doing what uh, everybody else has asked him to do. And he has asked uh, everyone else to do, which is uh, practicing some social distancing. Where you at, brother? I'm at home, working from home. <laughs> That's good to hear, man. That's good to hear. Um, you know, this is a uh, this is a strange time uh, in the space and place, man. How y'all making it out in uh, South Carolina, or actually, are are you up in uh, the DMV area? Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in South Carolina. I described it to someone yesterday. It's like the twilight zone. Um, you know, I have gone out once or twice just out of necessity to grab a couple things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not a fan of these zombie shows like Walking Dead. Yeah. But I kind of felt like that was running before me. It's weird, so, isn't it, man? Uh, it's very weird. Very weird. I was, um, uh, so, yeah. I, I can't think of what day it was. And this was last week, I want to say. I drove past South Park Mall mm -hmm. and it was closed. Like, yep. it's one thing being here in Marshall, you, we're slowing down a little <laughs> bit, but to be in a major city and to see how things have really changed um, really lets you know that, man, we are in unprecedented times and, and most of us have never experienced anything like this in our lives. Yeah, very bizarre. It is, it is. But I tell you what isn't bizarre. The president of Clinton College. <laughs> Depends on who you talk to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah, you're right about that, brother. I forgot you are a president. <laughs> so uh yeah, that could go either way depending on who you talk to and and uh <laughs> and when you find them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Who is uh who is Lester McCorn? Uh, he's an interesting character, just a kid from the project of Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, who had big dreams. And I tell you, man, I'm living my life. Mm. Um, my dream was to be a, a college president. So I checked all the boxes. You know, you want to marry a, a, a beautiful woman who's your soulmate mm -hmm. and partner. I could check that box. Uh, I went to the college of my dreams, Morehouse, check that box. Yes, sir. I went into the ministry and pastored for 30 years, check that box. Mm -hmm. And while I was a student at Morehouse, man, my dream was to be a college president one day. Wow. And uh, I'm living my dream. That is, um, it, it, it's, it's something special to be um, living your dream. First and foremost, it, it's special to be alive, but... But yes, to indeed. be doing what you know um, God put you on this place to do and you yeah. actually are compensated for it, there's there's yep. no other feeling like it. Like I try to Absolutely. tell people all the time, like, dude, I don't have a job. Um, <laughs> I, I really, really don't. And while it is stress laden at times, yeah. it is yeah. um, difficult managing uh, peoples and the, the situations pound for pound, I believe that I am more blessed uh, than the next man because I literally love what I do every day. Mr. President, I second that motion. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's that's some really good stuff. So yeah. you're you're from Boston, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, west of Boston, west of Boston, Worcester, Mass. Worcester, Mass. Yeah. Uh-huh. and and um, so you leave Massachusetts and come to the South. Yeah, <laughs> you're a, you're a student at Morehouse. How was it? being a student on those hallowed grounds, man. What is that? Could you still feel the spirit of... I, I uh, can, man. Okay. Oh, God, yes. I am, um, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to describe. It was sort of a tale of two cities for me. Um, I, I was extremely poor coming up. I didn't know how poor I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, you know, kind of the traditional black community where people, you know, kind of hung together. I was in the project for most of my childhood. And then at the age of 13, um, mom hit a real rough patch and we got evicted. And it started a, a spiraling effect. And so for most of my teenage years, I was actually homeless. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, we lived in a homeless shelter. We lived with my grandmother for a little while with three other cousins. Um, and then an uncle moved in and we were all in like a three-bedroom apartment. It was just crazy. Um, did end up in a homeless shelter for battered women and children. Uh, I was a squatter in an abandoned building for a while. Uh, just had a lot of twists and turns mm-hmm. in my early life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the two constants for me, which have been my my rocks, uh, have been church and school. Mm. Um, I could add the third would be sports. You know, I played sports coming up as a kid, so... Uh. I'm very competitive, man. <laughs> my, I just had a birthday, and my family bought me a PS4 uh, with uh, NBA 2K20. Oh. Uh, so that <laughs> since, since the NBA season does not exist right now, I got to get it on somehow. But they laughed at how I played video games with my kids and would not let them beat me. Dude. Uh, so, so that part of it, of course, my faith with the church, and then um, in school, I was a fairly good student, and mm-hmm. I was a student leader coming up. And that was because of what the church had instilled in me. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get to Morehouse, um, I get there literally on a wing and a prayer. And um, I don't have enough money. Um, the Morehouse alumni president of the Boston chapter happened to be the national president of the Alumni Association. Oh, wow. And he ended up. Yeah, and he ended up being on the board of the Board of Trustees of mm-hmm. Morehouse. So I had an advocate who could call from time to time and say, look, Lester doesn't have any money right now. You know, we'll cover him later. Just let him register, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And I go from, you know, literally, in fact, <laughs> Dr. Felton, I live in the infirmary on Morehouse's campus my freshman year because I got in late. All the housing was gone, and they created a dorm from the old infirmary <laughs> at Morehouse. Yeah, man. So I'm living in the infirmary. Um, I got no money. Um, my church sent me a little money, kind of helped me out through the process. But don't you know I got elected freshman class president? Mm. <laughs> so just, just crazy. And you know Morehouse. I mean, you know, uh, you know the saying, you can always tell a Morehouse man, but you can't tell him much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was so true. I mean, everybody, my freshman year, everybody was a star at their high school. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm thinking I'm somebody because I was freshman class president, I mean, uh, senior class president of my high school. Then I, I decided to run and, and got elected, man. I gave a good speech, um, and the brothers remembered me and elected me class president. But I still struggled. So when I talk about a tale of two cities, I get to, you know, to your question, I get to Atlanta, the ATL. And I'm blown away, man. I've never been around this many black people at one time. Uh, you know, even though I grew up in a uh, predominantly black neighborhood and went to a black church, it's nothing like the ATL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on top of that, black folks are running everything. You know, black <laughs> mayors, black business people. You know, you just see the black bourgeoisie. And I just, I had never been exposed to it. And then to be in the Atlanta University Center with so many beautiful black people. Um, just, you know, just amazing. So my pastor loves to tell the story, uh, Dr. W. Robert Johnson. He's still living, by the way, and he loves to tell the story of how he took me to the bank to open my first bank account. And I, I guess there was some sisters in there from Spelman, and my mouth was open. And I said, <laughs> I've never seen so many beautiful black women in my life. Man. 
<laughs> and he just he laughs at me right in front of me there, and then he tells the story wherever he goes. Uh, but it, but it's true. But you know, I had such a positive experience on one hand as a as a student leader, but then man, I, I struggled. I had to sit out semesters at a time. Uh, I was a classic stop out student, mm. um, you know, and just I, I started pastoring a church while I was in college. Um, I worked uh, odd jobs here and there, and um, just kind of struggled my way through. But as the old folk used to say, I wouldn't trade nothing for material. Mm. No, no, no. I I think when you when you're able and you're fortunate and blessed enough um, mm-hmm. to be able to reflect, yeah. um, I don't know that that wise men and women would take anything from the past because mm-hmm. it is uh, truly part of uh, of the story right it it's everything that happened um goes into that pot of gumbo that makes your rue um individually um uniquely uh distinct in taste yeah that's the flavor yeah that's the flavor that's Mm -hmm. the flavor so i i i i um i i understand that did it feel like the presence of Benjamin Mays and Martin Luther King and Spike Lee and all those guys, did it feel like uh, those trumpets and drum majors for justice were still their souls uh, and spirits were permeating on the campus when you were a student? Oh my God. Absolutely. I mean, you had, you had Morehouse alumni uh, from years gone by uh, their pictures hanging up, you know, their names being called, uh, their legacies being lifted. Then you had those who were currently on campus, professors and leaders uh, who are Morehouse alums and or Morehouse faculty. And then the people who come back, you know, homecoming was incredible. And then, you know, we had something uh, Morehouse uh, required freshman assembly and general assembly Tuesdays and Thursdays. And they would bring in, you know, the heavy hitters. Mm-hmm. But you get exposed to, to everyone. Um, my hero, of course, going to Morehouse was Martin Luther King. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, he was my patron saint uh, from the time I was a little boy. Uh, but then I got introduced to Benjamin Elijah Mays and Howard Thurman. And then got to meet people like Calvin Butts. And, you know, it just, it was just amazing. And uh, it really pushes you. You know, Howard Thurman's statement looms large on the campus of Morehouse, where he says that Morehouse holds a crown over the heads of her students that she challenges them to grow tall enough to wear. And every Morehouse man worth his weight and salt is growing and striving to wear that crown. That is, that's got to be heavy. Um Mm. Um, I, I just think that um, looking at um, you know the lore of Morehouse is something that everybody knows and it precedes um, even Morehouse right the reputation of it so answer, asking that question is something that, that I like to ask everyone um, um, about um, uh their their experience at Morehouse and whether what they take away from it because it's you know it's arguably one of the most uh, notable HBCUs and uh, institutions of higher learning in America certainly one of the most notable um, HBCUs so it's always I- interesting um, uh, to hear from uh, Morehouse men about their experiences. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that, um, you know, your your peers, your classmates are guys that are getting ready to be, you know, world leaders. Um, I'm in school with, uh, with Otis Moss III, um, and his dad was chairman of the board of trustees. Um, Raphael Warnock, pastor of Ebenezer Baptist of Atlanta, now candidate for Senate in the state of Georgia. Uh, I mean, I could just go E. Dewey Smith, who a lot of people know and follow. Uh, so preachers and oh, Dr. Corey Abair, uh, who's now all over the the news talking about coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I made him 
at Morehouse College, Alpha Rho Chapter, Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity. Hmm. Uh, I mean, you could just call the role of yeah. guys who, you know, who were going through that process. And you and you kind of talked about it. I mean, it is a gumball, man. You're you you don't really realize it when you're in it. All the stuff that is contributing to your character and your self-esteem and your your vision for the world and for your future. All of that is happening, you know, in the confines of that relatively small space. Mm-hmm. I mean, we thought Morehouse was large when we were there, man. But it's but global. I just. Yeah, yeah, I was just talking to somebody. It's like, you know, Morehouse has 2,000 students and, you know, on a small track of land. Uh, but the impact, you, yes, is global. Yeah, it's global. So for our listeners, um, I wasn't very clear um, on the outset that uh, Lester is president of Clinton College. I was clear about that. But it is a special school um, tucked in uh, Rock Hill, neatly tucked in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and it's affiliated with the African Methodist Episcopal Zion uh, Church. To that point, Lester took, uh, or maybe had a circuitous road uh, to the presidency while he uh, you know, had aspirations as a child and a young student to be a president. Um, he did not know the many years of ministry would adeptly uh, prepare him for service as uh, a college president. So um, how many years have you been uh, uh, serving the Lord? Yeah, I started preaching when I was 16 years old. Um, I I felt the inklings very young. Um, I was a young orator in church. I became famous in my hometown for the I Have a Dream speech and uh, and James Weldon Johnson's creation from um, from the seventh uh, trombone. And um, so people were telling me as a kid, you're going to be a preacher. Uh, but again, I mean, I'm a young boy in the streets playing ball, um, you know, running the streets. I, preaching is not really my forte. But I kind of gave in, you know, I, I saw some things and I, and I often share my, my testimony. I, I was called to preach uh, while I was homeless. Mm. Um, you know, I'm sitting in the dark as a squatter in an abandoned building and hear the voice of God uh, speak to me. And so it, it's a progressive call. So there were several things in my life that kind of led it up to led up to that moment. But it was certainly then that I can remember saying, yeah, I can't run from this thing. This is what I got to do. And so then the next step is, you know, what do you do with this? You know, how do you hone it? How do you develop it? Um, And and there's no question that you're going to college, right? So uh, fortunately, I was very blessed to have an outstanding mentor. The first person I knew that had an earned doctorate uh, was my pastor, uh, other than a medical doctor. I mean, he, he had a doctor of ministry, um, had gone through seminary, had gone, you know, through terminal training, and he kind of guided me and said, you know, this is what you got to do. And there was no doubt in my mind at 16, 17 years old that I'm going to get a doctorate. You know, my hero is the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. So, you, you, you know, you're not going to stop until you at least get doctor on your name. Yeah. And, it, yeah, then figure out all that other stuff. So, yeah, so I, uh, you know, the Morehouse experience, you know, I kind of I kind of refer it to schools like Morehouse and the many of our HBCUs are like that. They're like mini seminaries, you know. It's like seminary before you get to seminary. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a ch- I get to be a chapel assistant in the Martin Luther King Chapel under the tutelage of the Reverend Doctor Lawrence Edward Carter Sr., who is still the dean of the chapel, who has been there for 40 years. <laughs> And uh, and while I'm in school, at the age of 20, a bishop comes to me, and you've been around bishops, you know how this works. Yes, sir. Uh, a bishop says to me, young man, are you ready to travel? And you don't tell the bishop no, right? Uh, I'm like, okay, bishop, if you think so. And he says, well, I'm impressed with you, and I think you have a bright future, and I'm going to ordain you under missionary rule. <laughs> So, you know, that's where the bishop gets a chance to suspend all the rules of going through the course of study, 
you know, passing this test and all of that. He just says, I got a work for you to do and I'm going to ordain you. Uh, so at 20 years old, I'm ordained and given a church. Uh, in fact, I'm given mm. two churches. Mm. <laughs> I'm given a circuit. Uh, you know, in the South, they still have these circuit churches, first and third Sundays and second and fourth Sundays. And uh, I go, uh, I get the appointment. I'm, I'm just blown away. I really don't know what to do. I start calling people. What, what do I do? And uh, I said, well, first of all, you got to get to the church and meet the people. And I didn't have a car. So I take I take the bus from Atlanta, Georgia to Rome, Georgia, which is 60 miles away. Uh, the chairman of the steward board picks me up in Rome and drives another 30 miles to Somerville, South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm sorry, Somerville, Georgia. Uh, there actually is a Somerville, South Carolina, but Somerville, Georgia, um, 90 miles away from Atlanta. And um, uh, it was amazing. The people wrapped their arms around me. Uh, they helped me get my first car, so I didn't have to take the bus anymore. And uh, they really gave me, I tell everyone, I learned more at those small churches in the country than I learned at Morehouse and Yale combined. Mm. And uh, and so the track, as you, you know, I mean, I, I started, you know, very young, 20 years old. And um, I pastored in several cities as a Methodist itinerant preacher. Uh, I went to I went back home to Boston uh, and convinced the young lady that I met in Georgia to marry me and go with me to Boston to a place she had never seen before. And uh, our first child was born in Boston. Two years later, I went to uh, New Haven, Connecticut, where Bishop Walker, who you know, mm -hmm. uh, assigned me to the Barrack Memorial Church, the third oldest church in our denomination. Um, and got a chance to go to uh, Yale Divinity School. Mm -hmm. and, and then I was uh, transferred to Chicago uh, to follow Bishop Nathaniel Jarrett, who you also know, uh, who was uh, who built the Martin Temple Church in, in Chicago. That was my first real major appointment. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, then, um, and, and then I entered a Ph.D. program while I was there. So I started a Ph.D. 20 years ago. And I'm just now, 20 years later, finishing what I started. Hey, man, getting across uh, the finish line is all that matters, bro. Right. Ain't nobody asking you. Nope, nope, <laughs> nobody cares how long it took, especially. That's right. Um, That's right. It, it doesn't That's matter, right. brother. It doesn't matter. What. Yeah. I mean, I, I, hopefully people have deduced now um, one of the reasons uh, that we'd like to hear from you and why your voice is vital is, is really being able to talk about um, faith and how faith is intertwined yeah. in leadership and yeah. how the practice of it um, shapes uh, how we lead um, at these institutions. Um, it's, it's great getting the historical perspective of who you are and how you've come to the presidency, but what would you say um, the percentage of of um, your decisions that are made that are that uh, that you rely on your faith, and what are those decisions? Those, the, the, what's the gravity of those decisions? Can you give an example of um, a decision that you made that it was really faith? Even your heart didn't believe it, your mind didn't believe it, but your faith pushed you in a space that actually was more than okay the outcome it was it was absolutely godly that's right uh, well my most recent example is the process that we took clinton college through to arrive at our strategic plan and master facility plan um and you know leading these institutions is a faith exercise in and of its own um <laughs> you you never have enough resources <laughs> to do what you got to do so it's all about faith right and we laid out this audacious plan and um and i just kept getting reminded of my ministry at every single point how god provided for me um and i, I mean obviously i can go back to my you know my homeless days um, you know, God always showed up and always brought people to my rescue and always led me, even though I was stumbling and bumbling along the way, God had enough grace, um, you know, so that my mistakes didn't take me under. 
And throughout my pastorate, you know, I made some very bold decisions. Some would call them crazy or mm-hmm. to the word we used earlier, bizarre. But um, I just think that's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If you could see it, you wouldn't need God. You know, you could just do it on your own. But we know to lead these institutions, it requires faith. It, it requires an unyielding determination to get to a goal that others may not see. Hello, somebody. And, yeah, and going <laughs> through this process, man, I mean, I just took, I, I literally took my experiences as a pastor mm-hmm. and leading congregations into campaigns, into projects that you had doubters and skeptics and cynics, and you just said, you know what, we're going to trust God, and God was faithful. And so just like God did it then, I know that God will do it now for Clinton because Clinton is a special place. Mm-hmm. It's the only way to to even describe how Clinton has survived mm-hmm. all these years is is the testament of the hand of God on that campus. In spite of the humans um, who were entrusted with running it. That's right. And that's right. not in not just <laughs> in spite of not just not just um, um, Clinton, but Wiley and all the others mm-hmm. like these are right. these are distressed assets. Right. And yes, so sir. I think yes, it's sir. really important to really sig- parse out asset and not focus on distressed. Right. Because yeah. they, they are assets, period. That's but right. they right. they have challenges that require um, people with a certain skill set and a stomach for BS um, mm-hmm. because I mean, just as much faith you have, you need to be able to have uh, some high um, what it, water boots or whatever. So you can walk around <laughs> in the BS um, yeah. and not get it on your shoe. And, and secondly, <laughs> notice to the podcast folks, he's a pastor, so I'm not going to cuss like I normally do on this book. So I'm Go really ahead, right behind you. Doctor. <laughs> I, I can cuss with you. Go ahead. <laughs> but, 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 but my point is, is that when I, when I think about, uh, these institutions, um, and, and I'm no member of the cloth, uh, but I but I have my own faith um, and know that God is real. I I recognize, man, that a lot of these joints are only open because the spirit uh, of God uh, covers these places and makes ways when everybody sees doom and gloom. God is just he's on time. Um, yes, and sir. he shows up and shows out in ways that can only be explained um, if you understand faith. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, we joke a lot because we're colleagues. We are not competitors. Uh, we're friends and we genuinely love each other in Christ and in the, the vineyard that we labor. But we, we joke about uh, how important it is for people to have faith because People don't know the stuff that you're managing uh, on a day-to-day basis and a monthly basis, uh, mm-hmm. note uh, to self, uh, payroll. Um, mm-hmm. um, th- people don't know that. So we, when we, at Health, we always talk about, like, like you, whatever your faith is, whoever your God is, you mm-hmm. need to have some if you, if you call yourself as C.L. Franklin likes to say, you call yourself a preacher. Um, yes, that uh, was that was in the sermon, uh, the devil uh, goes to Bible study uh, or Sunday uh, school. The be- the devil goes to Sunday school. Um, excuse me uh, for a second. I'm going to parenthetically pause, but I, I love yes, talking uh, to theologians and stuff, but that's one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite preachers, but oh, yeah. that is one of my favorite sermons um, because he really in that sermon he nuanced um, how busy the devil is but if we can recognize and and this is a great analogy to um, compare to the the congregation if you will Um, workers being the congregation uh, workers at these HBCUs oftentimes it is the implosion that incurs within and the forces outside come in after the people who are entrusted 
with handling things tear it up and then those from yeah. the outside come in and and take everything away um, that's right so so I, I know that's off subject but um we we say at health you say you want to be a leader and if you do want to be a leader we think it only prudent for us to tell you that you need to have some type of faith if you're going to do these jobs amen Amen. Yeah. And you, you got to be able to pull on some spiritual reserves, mm-hmm. you know, because they're going to be some lean times when you are by yourself and uh, you're going to need something to lean on. And uh, I'm so grateful uh, yesterday, you know, because we can't go to church uh, now. I, you know, <laughs> I did, I did church hopping online and I was just blessed by so many sermons. And then on top of that, because a lot of churches, you know, they can't have the musician and the praise team. So I went on YouTube man, and started pulling down some clips Listen. of some of them old hymns, you know, Listen. Uh, the songs my mother and grandmama used to sing that man. brought us over, man. you know? Oh my God. I mean, I was having church all by myself. You know, they, uh, I think it's, I think in leadership, it's important for you to do that too. That's like right. I, I can't right. tell you how often now you come in my office. I just have to let you know, you're going to hear <laughs> everything from trick daddy uh, to um, the goody mob. Um, and, and, but, but mostly what you're going to hear for the first three or four hours, you ain't going to hear nothing but some praise and worship on that thing. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's mm-hmm. all you were here in my office. Uh, yeah. And many people who come in my office, I will go about my business, uh, you know, walk away from my desk and leave my music playing and, and dare them to say anything. Um, (laughs) But I have those moments, Lester, where I, I, I encourage myself throughout the day on multiple Mm -hmm. different occasions. And I've found what resonates with me, um, most it, it are those hymns that mm-hmm. that I used to hear at uh, Beulah Missionary Baptist Church uh, in Duval my County. I know the pastor well. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and there's one that uh, it's a sad one, but it is also you can find glory in it. And I remember um, it being played at my grandfather's funeral soon and very going to see the King. Yes, man. Sir. Listen, when I hear that mm-hmm. joint, Lester, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think about the transition, but I also yeah. think about at the end, what happens when the transition is completed, mm. you, you are seeing the King and, yes, and I, we have to, in this space, talk to the King and and mm-hmm. feel the king um and i right. let me also say this i don't want anybody to think that you, these conversations are just about what presidents go through or whatever but in this particular mm-hmm. instance we're talking about to and with two presidents yeah. who are uh commiserating about some of the tough things and how faith carries us over so mm-hmm. um to your point about praise hopping and uh, worship hopping, I did the mm-hmm. same thing. Uh, but I'm mm-hmm. I'm almost uh, you know ashamed to say that I've been doing it for a minute though. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I, right. I live in Marshall, Texas, bro. We we yeah, you know I, I we're, we're not getting some good stuff too often here. So <laughs> right. um, yeah, I I will go ahead and admit since I'm talking to a member of the clergy uh, and the claw a man of the cloth that uh. I've been getting some bedside Baptist here for a minute, bro. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, but but you know that it's it's important for us to have this. How do we exercise that and make that normal um, to uh, to the work that we do? Because it, it, you know, regardless of who we are, life comes at you fast. And yeah. and how 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 do we do something that is so important to us believers? How do we do that and right. make time for it, brother? Yeah, a couple of things. Well, one of all, first of all, it has to be organic, right? Mm. Um, you can't you can't fake it. So um, you know, if you don't have it, you can get it. Yes, but you sure can't fake it. That's the good um, news, you know, right there. That's the yeah, good news. Yeah, that's right. You you can get it, and 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 most of these HBCUs, you can sure enough get it. Yes, um, you know, but. 
But I think, you know, on one hand, it, it's got to be, uh, it's got to emanate from you and people have to see it in you because I think, you know, as leaders on campus, they take their cues from us and they're also looking for permission. Um, you know, I could just, a quick aside, when I got to Clinton, uh, there was a group of people that had been meeting for prayer uh, for a long time, praying for Clinton College. You know, they would, they just kept praying that God would give them the leader that they needed, that they would, you know, someone would come with a vision and, and would someone who would stir up the people. And so when I came, you know, they, that's what they, they all came to me one by one. We've been praying for you. We've been looking for you. Mm. And we wanted a campus that was a little more spiritual. You know, they wanted to be able to express themselves. Like we, we took this job because they said it was a Christian college mm -hmm. and we're not, we're not seeing that. So, you know, I kind of gave them permission. I modeled for them. You know, they see me worship. They see me pray. They see me praise, you know, so that that's important on the campus. And then you, when you see it in other people, you encourage it. Yeah. And, and brother, I'm just going to toot your horn right now because I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little salty. That first of all, you have a chapel, and now you got a dean of the chapel well. and a whole chapel program. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm jealous, man. But well, I mean, that's where I'm, that's where I'm trying to go, right? Well, I want, I want Clinton to get there. But, but, but before you start, I think it, it's before you finish with that second point, I will <laughs> remind you, sir, that it was you who called me and told me who I needed to hire. Um, uh, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. let's it's be, let's I'll be very it. clear about that. But I also <laughs> believe, uh, nuanced in this, this, this banter is the reaffirming notion that, yeah. um, having a sponsor, mentor, mm. um, people mm. who are always advocating for you is really important. And one of the things that you should never do is be an asshole. It does right. not pay to be an nope. asshole because you don't know who uh, is connected to who and um, who will advocate for you. And, and I have That's to right. tell you, brothers and sisters, people are tackling and blocking for you all the time and you have no idea. But I can tell you mm -hmm. this, your ass will get sacked if you are an asshole. That is so true. There will be no, no tackling, block. no blocking. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. so I, I do, and I thank you for Dominique, man. I really do mm -hmm. because she has transformed our campus in a mm -hmm. way that the intentionality of serving God uh, is centered to to what we do here at Wiley. Um, and I and I thought that was important enough for me to put her um, in a position where she reported directly to the president. Yeah. Because yeah, I know I want Jesus to be everywhere on this campus mm -hmm. and I don't mm -hmm. need anybody messing with the person who I'm uh, tasking the spiritual climate of our college to be dictated by. I don't want no impediments right there. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, Amen. so we're grateful The the way she runs our chapel, bro, man, these <laughs> kids are on fire. I mean, it's just beautiful being a stickler for detail. You come up in that piece five minutes before and you see that clock ticking down. And when mm -hmm. it clicks down to zero, bro, those students are on program. Uh, and I did wow. say program. Um, they on they are they are ready to go when that clock Red strikes zero, brother. And uh, mm -hmm. so so I'm grateful. Thank you for that. And uh, we oh, can wow. we can move on and go to your second point about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's basically it. I mean it it has to be integral. So yeah. And, and what you have just raised right there. See, it's not an an afterthought. It's not an appendage to the campus. Mm -hmm. It's not extracurricular. Mm -hmm. You know, it is central to the ethos of the campus. Yes. And I think, you know, if you're going to be a Christian school, just go on and do it. Yeah. And don't make any apologies no. for it. No. You know, you've got, you've got the right to do it. Um, you, you are, you're legitimate, you're accredited, uh, but you also are God-fearing people That's right. um, who, who know the God that brought you over. That's right. And so our, our students need that. 
they need that grounding. They need the spiritual counsel and guidance that they probably would not get if it weren't for your campus. I think it's also important for leaders to have empathy. What what role does faith play in in your capacity, uh, your empathy capacity? But for the grace of God, there go I. Mm. Um, I don't have to look far, obviously. I just look at my own story. <laughs> you just remember I, back when. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I, you know, I don't, you know, with that being said, I don't think you have to have had to go through what I went through to have empathy. Right. Um, you know, I think if you are connected, um, you know, number one, you have to have a sense of humility, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you are humble and not full of yourself and stuck on yourself, like the current occupant of the White House, mm. uh, then you can see that you don't know everything and that you needed someone to help you get to where you are. Uh, Howard Thurman used to always love to tell the story that if you ever see a turtle on a fence, you know he didn't get there by himself. Impossible. <laughs> Impossible. So, you know, I mean, with that, that alone gives you a, a, a sensitivity mm -hmm. to what other people are going through and certainly your students. Um, and yeah, and every decision we make um, has to be from a place of empathy. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to ask, you know, what, if this were me, how would I want people to treat me? Yeah. How would I want them to, you know, favor me or be firm with me? Mm -hmm. What, what do, what would I need? And then kind of project that as best as you can on the students that you're serving. Yeah. But, but to your point, you know, faith, I mean, we we are taught. I mean, I don't know, you know, this is this debate right now um, around the quote unquote social gospel. Mm -hmm. There are evangelical whites that don't think the social gospel is in the Bible and has any place. And my argument is, how can you read the gospel? They, of Jesus they, Christ? they work. They work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, you talk about radical. Come on, come on. I mean, Jesus was a zealot. I mean, he was turning the world upside down. That boy was and off was the chain. On behalf of the poor and the oppressed. That's right. He's off the chain. You but know? see, I think that's why the problem is what it is. Because mm -hmm. social justice really mm -hmm. speaks to the masses more than it does yeah. the minority. Right. That's right. And That's right. and there is an encroachment there. And and mm -hmm. and I would argue that Pontiff um, and 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 Caesar and and all of those uh, mm -hmm. had problems because they were well to do. They had right. what they needed. And here this idiot comes along <laughs> talking about the masses talking mm -hmm. about equity, talking about social justice, talking about um, the ability to feed themselves, talking about the things that we are grappling with right now today. That's right. right? And so yep. if there was anybody that was off the chain, it was Jesus Christ before, before we even knew what being off the chain was. There you go. And, and radicalism I think is described as a dirty word and has a negative connotation by those who wish to continue oppression. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And, and, you know, uh, Frederick Douglass famously said that power concedes nothing without a, a demand. demand. It never, never did. And it, it never, never will. will. That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. All, day long. I'm I'm not going to yep. tell on my DP, but I had to learn that one now when I was going through a little process. <laughs> a little process. <laughs> a little yeah. process. Little Wasn't process. hazing or none of that, but it was, you <laughs> know, it was a little no, process. No, never. Yeah. Never. never. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things that that you picked up on um and most probably do they haven't articulated it was how we have intentionally built in faith and empathy in health in the Higher Education Leadership Foundation. Yeah. One of the reasons yeah. why we have provosts and presidents like yourself and others living in dorms when they come on campus to come to health is so that people can remember what it was like to be in a dorm. Uh, also, you yeah. want them to build community and, and such, but 
uh, we were intentional about putting folks in dorms because we want you to to recognize the next time when you see that roach go across the room while you're <laughs> at health, I want you to, to have that same type of vitriol and visceral reaction when a student comes in your place to tell you there's a roach. You, I want you to you right. know, stomp the, the, the floor and say, get, get somebody in here to take care of that. Um, yeah, man. And by the other, um, th- that's at the very beginning, but the gift we give on the way out mm. is that centering session. Oh my God. And and you, you know that there are some folk filled with Jesus uh, that are mm. moving in the health space, right? So yes, that, that 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 that's what that's how important faith and empathy are to us trying to build um, leaders who are disciplined and um, highly skilled and transformational. We, we think that's that right. faith is an integral part of that process as well. Yep. Yep. And, and to your point, I mean, I think that people, who are not necessarily faith-based or feel like their faith is slim to none, mm-hmm. when they experience that centering moment, there's an epiphany. Yeah, You know, there, there's a moment where you say there is a God mm-hmm. or, you know, that color purple moment, God is trying to tell, tell you me something. something. <laughs> 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 I mean, you, you can't help but feel that thing, man. Yeah. It's all over you. I mean, yeah. you you know, your skin starts to bubble up and, you know, you feel these chills on the inside yes, sir. Yes, because sir. you recognize that this is bigger than us. There's a spirit yes. uh, that, that has propelled us and kept us down through the years. And yes, that sir. same spirit is resident on our college campuses. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, it, I, I say all the time, if you are sensitive enough, if you are in tuned with whomever your God is, Mm-mm. if you walk across the campus of any HBCU, and I guess it could be at a PWI, I don't know. But what I know is because I'm so intentional when I walk um, across campuses of every HBCU that I've been on, let me tell you something, brother. You can feel the ancestors yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, from the from the ground and those above you in the cloud. You can feel yes, it on a campus. Yes, you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can feel it. Um yeah. when what what advice before we cut across the field as Rudolph McKissick Rudolph Waldo your, McKissick your pastor, Jr. would say uh-huh. at Bethel Baptist Institutional Church down there in uh, Jacksonville, in, in Florida. Duval County. In Duval <laughs> County. Uh, what, what Pastor McKissick would say as we cut across the field, Yeah. what advice would you give to leaders um, when making uh, decisions that impact uh, the college in ways that you know, aren't popular, aren't, don't feel good, layoffs, uh, furloughs, or sunsetting yeah. programs, or declining yeah. um, appeals to you. How, what would you say to folk um, uh, about making decisions with faith? How important is that? Yeah. Well, you know, the scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. And it requires a lot of us to think deeply and broadly about every decision that we make. I mean, it can't be flippant and haphazard. You got to look at the macro view, the micro view. I mean, every every decision has repercussions, and um, you know there there are ripples. You know, I mean, right now we're 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 in a very tough period. Um, we don't know how we're going to come out on the other side of this. And if you're a good leader, you're already thinking down the line. You worst better be. Worst case scenario. <laughs> you yeah. better be. Worst, worst case scenario, what am I going to have to do? You know, what am I going to have to cut? Who am I going to have to cut? Yeah. And how, you know, how do you do that, you know, with sensitivity and clarity? And grace. Um, and, it, it, and grace. And it's, it's not, it is not easy, but you have to summon uh, all of the forces that you can. Uh, obviously, you got to have a good council of advisors around you, 
uh, people that you trust who can help you see, you know, where you might have a blind spot, mm-hmm. uh, look at another angle. Because you know, we, we do have those, Doc. We have blind spots. Yes. We have them. Yes, and, and leaders leaders that always mess up are those that are in denial <laughs> about their blind spots. Or, 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 or they don't use those uh, those uh, review mirrors or those turning right. uh, mirrors. Right? They ain't looking outside right. to see what's, what's coming by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. ain't looking at nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you got to pay attention to that, you know, to, to the board. And, of course, you have to discern because you got people in your ear Absolutely. who, you know, don't know, don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> But they think they do, so you got to discern all of that, uh, and then yeah, at the end of the day, you know, you got to sit with yourself and make make that tough tough decision. Um, but yeah, your your faith. I mean, you know, you got to trust God to lead you and guide you in it. And I I am a witness to what the old folks used to say that God has not failed me yet. Um, you know, when I trust God, I always make the right decision, no matter how difficult it is and it may not look like it right like because there there are always short term short term effects to every decision mm-hmm. you know where the, there's there's immediate pain and you know fallout and collateral damage but then down the line you recognize wow this is the best decision and and again brother i gotta toot your horn i called you i won't divulge everything but i called you at one time about a tough decision I had to make about uh, terminating somebody, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you helped me think through that and and the collateral damage, you know, choice A, choice B, choice C, and that was such valuable advice, and I followed it, and now on the other end, brother, I'm shouting, and I look like a genius now. <laughs> I I look like a genius, but brother, when I did it. Mm. Oh, it was it was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yes, sir. You know, yes, sir. It, it, it just it wasn't popular, and I you know I looked a little mean, and people were like, well, I thought he was nice, but mm. wow, <laughs> you know. But um, at, at the at, on the other side, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Well, I'm I'm grateful that I was I was able to give you the answers because I mm-hmm. leaned on um, folks before me who. Mm-hmm. Um, who I got the answers to. And, you know, I, I would, I don't know where I heard this from, but it resonated with me. Um, and it's been a while and I heard it while I was in the Marine Corps, but, um, it, someone said that life is an open book test, find the people who failed the test and get the Ooh. answers from them. My and, God. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm telling you because those very same people, who who may have failed uh, also know that they know now what the correct answer was, right? And so this this presidency, man, there is not much new under the sun. Obviously, COVID nineteen uh, puts us in a different stratosphere to have led through this. Um, but those challenges, man, they they are on different campuses. Same thing, right? And yep, if we yep. can't, um, those of us who practice faith, I believe, are more adept at being compassionate and and seeing our brothers and sisters as people who are laboring in the vineyard with us, as opposed mm-hmm. to um, running us through the vineyard, um, you know, on a on a horse and and cracking the whip. We're we're doing yep. this work together. And so I I think it is only right for us to reach out to one another, be vulnerable and for all others who find themselves being sought after to share information freely. Because if Clinton is not dope, then Wiley is not dope. If Howard is not dope, then Spellman ain't dope. Right. We're collective. And um, the the body, the community um, is is what others will cloak all of us in and lump us all together and say, well, HBCUs ain't shit. Well, right. uh, I don't know about that. Yes, we are. But what they're really talking about is one school and they want to clump us all together. That's why it's so important for all of us to give to each other, to share with each other, um, to have empathy and faith. I think so. Um, yes, rapid, sir. some rapid fire questions before I, um, right. b- 
before I let you uh, slide on uh, out the out the door, I do have to tease you and give you a hard time. I was talking to Jared Carter, and uh, he was talking about you know that organization that y'all belong to. Um, yes, sir. And he has something smart to say. So, is there anything that you want to say about that? <laughs> <laughs> well. <clears throat> You know, in our in our preliminary discussions, you asked me <laughs> what is what is one of the dopest things I did in college. Right. Well, I happened to join a little organization that was founded in 1906 Ouch. by seven seven jewels. Ouch. And uh, and and not not only did I join it, mm. uh, I, I became a stepper back mm. in the day. And uh, and when Spike Lee, who you referenced earlier, yes, sir. decided to make a little movie yeah. called School yes, Day, sir. yes, sir, yes, come called, on, Deacon. He called upon he called upon the brothers of Alpha Phi <laughs> Alpha Fraternity <laughs> Incorporated, and and I was one of those brothers who stepped in School Day. Yes, indeed. So that that's that's in one of the dopest things I did in college category. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was <laughs> I was teasing with with Jared and actually making a factual statement in that there are more alpha presidents running HBCUs than any other Greek letter organization. Um, say that again. I didn't hear you. Say yes, I'm not. I'm going to say it really loud for the people in the back. <laughs> there are more men of Alpha Phi Alpha. Fraternity yes, Incorporated running HBCUs mm-hmm. than any other Greek lettered organization. I will con- good, I will concede good. that point. I would also <laughs> like to offer that while we will concede to the number, the quantity, uh-huh. we do mm-hmm. have a pushback Bye-bye. where it comes to quality. Yeah, so yeah. while you, you outnumber you us. <laughs> You, you, got, you got some good ones. You you got a good one down the road for me at Claflin, Claflin University. Yes, sir. Yes, will, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll let you have that one. You got another one over there, Paul Quinn. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, you, sir. You, you got yes, a couple sir. of good ones. Yeah, we, I'll, we I'll keep going. You, you got us on yeah, that quantity, yeah, uh, brother, but that quality, yeah. <laughs> that's a different story, dog. <laughs> um, uh, rapid fire. Jordan's or Air Force Ones? Jordan's. Uh, favorite dessert? Peach cobbler. Peach cobbler, okay. Um, welcome back, Carter, or the Jeffersons? Ooh, welcome back, Carter. Uh, Martin or a living single? <laughs> uh, Martin. Um, George Bush one or George Bush two? Oh God, neither. Uh, <laughs> one, I have to go with one. Um, uh, skating, roller skating, or dodgeball? Roller skating, music, the beat, the rhythm. Yeah, man, roller skating. Favorite female gospel artist. Oh, I thought it was I, no choice. I no choices. I just pick yeah, one. Just one. Pick one. <laughs> uh, Yolanda Adams. Favorite male gospel artist. Mm. Uh, wow. Why am I stumped? Uh, let's go with Smokey Norfolk. iPhone or Android? Android. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> okay. Alpha, Alpha, Alpha. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> la- la- last, last rapid fire question. Uh-huh. Um, HBCUs twenty years from now, thriving or surviving? Thriving. I'm gonna let you thriving. close us out with your thoughts on why. Uh, you believe that they will be thriving, and additionally, please just just touch a little bit on why faith uh, needs to be incorporated in leadership, man. Yeah. Well, uh, again, and this is not to blow your head up, but we have organizations like Health. Uh, in order to have good organizations, you have to have good leaders. Mm-hmm. 
And in order to have good leaders, you have to have a system and a pipeline for producing them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think health is doing an extraordinary job at helping to identify and shape the minds and hearts of the next generation. So because I've seen like the last three or four cohorts, uh, I know the future is bright for the HBCUs. Uh, and you got folks who, who come to health who either don't presently work at an HBCU mm-hmm. and or have never gone to an HBCU, right. but they see the value and they want to get down uh, with the HBCU cause and want to work and bring whatever gifts and skills and abilities they have to that. So that I think in and of itself, and then this may be anecdotal, but I just feel like HBCUs are back in style. Uh, you know, I think that there is a, a, a zeitgeist, if you will, there's a spirit of the times that is finally giving HBCUs the legitimacy and validation that we always knew they had. Yes, sir. But now other people are recognizing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're recognizing that we, as the UNCF says, we've been punching above our weight for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've been making brick without straw. And we have produced more, proportionately, way more leaders in every single industry and aspect of human life and endeavor. That's right. Um, HBCUs do it, man. We just, we do it. And so the more we do it, the greater we will get. I mean, I think that our strength will grow exponentially. Sometimes, unfortunately, um, you have to grow by subtracting. And so, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we've lost some. We've lost some HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll probably be a few more casualties. You said 20 years from now, That's right. there may be a few more. But I think we'll be the better and the stronger, and those that are around are going to be that much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. That void um, will always be there but it would always be met with a strong cadre of HBCUs um, that are capable of picking up uh, and filling voids, uh, most notably in St. You know, in Lawrenceville, Virginia, with St. Paul's leaving us. Yeah. Um, those students transitioned somewhere, and 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 we picked up, um, we picked up where we left off. We're hoping that the casualties are minimal. Um, mm-hmm. We know that it will happen because. PWIs are closing. Uh, small, private, white liberal arts colleges are having very difficult challenges as well. And they're closing at a rate uh, that is much higher than what is happening at our institutions. But because we are historically black colleges and universities, there's an insatiable appetite to know what's happening at our places. Uh, and in some right. some cases, celebrate the demise of them. Um, yeah. But yeah. I'm glad you see thriving uh, as uh, a part of our destination in the next 20 years, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I can if I could just throw in my little commercial for the little school in Rock Hill that Absolutely. I happen to shepherd. I mean, I see in 20 years us becoming one of the top tier HBCUs in the country. I mean, I think we've got we've got a formula now that we're going to build on and drive home until we get there. Uh, we are evolving into a new kind of liberal arts college. Um, and we, we're in a good space because Rock Hill is on the edge of Charlotte, which has grown exponentially. And Rock Hill is growing. The Carolina Panthers are moving their headquarters to Rock Hill, minutes away from my campus. Yes, sir. So, you know, millions of dollars are coming through there. And we're going to find a way to tap into that. So I, there is a lot to be said about HBCUs that are anchors in their communities. And um, I, because I was a pastor and because I led faith-based community development corporations, I have the skills and experience now to help position Clinton to be more than just a college on the corner, but to be a real anchor to lead economic and community development on the south side of Rock Hill. So I'm real excited about what Clinton's going to look like 20 years from now. That's a commercial, Doc. (laughs) That is a dope commercial. And um, we're grateful to have spent a little bit of this time with you. 
Um, yes, for sir. those of you who are listening, uh, we have just spent uh, an incredible hour with Dr. Lester McCorn, president of Clinton College. Uh, and this conversation about faith has been timely because we're living in a time of uncertainty. So we, we yes. really want to thank you for being with us. And um, want to give a shout out to all the people that you are um, covering uh, at Clinton College. That's a special place. If you've never been there before, I'm telling you, you you get a chance. If you're ever in Rock Hill, stop by Clinton College and you'll be richly blessed uh, for doing so. My brother, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. Looking forward to uh, the next time we get together. And I'm hoping uh, that it is possibly at a Ritz Carlton dining on some of those Ooh. fabulous waffles from the buffet. My <laughs> God, my God. <laughs> yes, sir. I can see it and taste it. Yes, sir. I'm just yes, trying sir. to write the vision so we can make it plain right. and make, make, make it, it plain. <laughs> make it plain. I'm about to run with it right yeah. now. <laughs> All right. Hey, man. God bless you, man. And may Thank keep you, brother, you in the very palm of his hands, my brother. Amen. Same man. Same to you. Back at it. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Take care. God bless. Thank you. Once again, wrapping up another session with the Higher Education Foundation's podcast, uh, Four Thoughts of Our Father. And it's just so great to be able to be in community, have these conversations and talk about everything under the sun as it relates to our beloved institutions. I'm Herman Felton signing off, uh, wishing you well. And on behalf of the founders of the Higher Education Leadership Foundation, Alfred Anthony Pinkard, Melva Christie Williams, Gregory Dees, and George C. French Jr., we wish you peace, we wish you love, and we wish you grace. Until the next time, take care of yourselves.